Well, last week I, I spoke about throw out the stuff. <laughs> yeah. So anybody do that this week? Yeah, we had a bunch of people throwing out the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we were cleaning house for one individual, so, uh, and we threw out the stuff, you know, and gave a lot away, of course, uh, re-gifted many, many things, but there were some things that needed to find its way back to nature. Yes. <laughs> ashes to ashes, dust to dust. <laughs> so was the uh, chair that was... Must, I don't know. <laughs> poet and I. Never mind. So today, we are prepare, all right? Prepare. And of course, the um, idea is preparing for the new year, <laughs> preparing for the day, preparing for going to work. So you think about how many places do you prepare for? You know, what do you prepare? Do you prepare? <laughs> My first one is prepare lunch. So you know what I think of, <laughs> you know, supper. So when you think about preparing something, what do you think of? Uh, prepare it for winter, <laughs> get the winter coats out, and, you know, the antifreeze in the car. Not the antifreeze you drink, but the antifreeze, you know, in the car. The um, winter tires, so you prepare for winter. But it won't be long. We're on our way to spring. Yeah, we passed the, the shortest day, so every day is getting longer. Yes. Prepare for spring. Just wait a couple minutes, months. You know, okay. Right. So sometimes we prepare, prepare for life. Oh, that's a large preparation. Uh, we prepare to go to well, prepare for life. <laughs> go to school. Yes, prepare for. I, you know, I. It's it's funny. I think it's kind of ironic that God would call me to be a minister, because. I never liked to study. <laughs> you know, I was always the doer, the worker, the, the gopher, you know, run the tractor. I was the strong guy, you know, lifting the bales and, you know, shoveling out the, the pins and, you know, anything that needed done, I was the, the picker-upper, you know. I was the extra person that would do all the running and all that. And then God called me to be a minister. And every week, I have to study. Every week, <laughs> I have to prepare. <laughs> I prepare a sermon every week. And uh, what's that? Yeah, it is. She laughs. Yeah, you know. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very much, dear. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you prepare. You prepare a message. You're all, all week long. You're thinking of, you know, different things that would be applicable for a sermon or something that was funny or something that was, you know, very meaningful. And... Um, so you're always preparing for the next week. You're only as good as your last sermon. <laughs> and the other one is you're only as good as your next sermon. <laughs> so whichever way you look, that's how we, you know, people look at themselves and how you prepare. You're always in preparation. So you're reading, you're studying, and, you know, it just doesn't fall out of the sky. So with our own lives, um, we have to prepare for our spiritual walk. You know, we have to prepare. We prepare by expecting. We prepare by what is our expectation? Do you expect something good to happen today or something bad? See, we set, I, I like this, and I, I don't think we really understand the, um, the significance 
of the Bible when it says to us, God has given to every man a measure of faith. Okay? God has given to every person faith, seeds. And people put their seeds in disbelief. I don't believe there's a God. Well, that's actually a belief. And so the world around us and the people who are anti-God, they have taken their belief and they've sown it in a field of rejection. And anything that signifies that there is a God, while well, they're so filled with their disbelief, they look at the miracle and say, wow, that's not God. That's just circumstances. Well, you look at Christ, when Christ was here and the, um, he raised Lazarus from the dead, the, the people, they said, yeah, we got to get rid of Jesus now. You know, his followers are too many, and now we even have to kill Lazarus. <laughs> so rather than seeing the miracle and inspiring their belief in God and their belief in the Messiah, they took their belief and used it in a negative way. I believe that it's not going to be a good year. I believe that the stock market is going to crash and the price of gas is going to go up, you know, and, you know, my feet are going to grow and I have to get new shoes. And, you know, <laughs> but you see, I believe that no matter what happens in the stock market, God is my provider. No matter what happens in the White House or the Kremlin or in Beijing or wherever, God is in charge. We never have to lose our hope. We never have to find a place of dismay or disbelief because I believe that God is going to make everything new. <laughs> I believe that God is going to transform our life. I believe that God is going to take what we have and he's going to continue to renew and to grow. So it's just like school, <laughs> just like math, you know? I, I, I was, my family is huge in mathematics. Not me, <laughs> but my brother's. My brothers, my nephew, David Michael and, and uh, Jackson, I mean, math is like nothing to them. They, can, they just start out and they can, they can do any formula. And my one nephew that is finance, running finances, you know, m numbers with him and his one daughter, numbers are just automatic. So, you, you know, you start out and say one plus one is two. Well, these kids were able to do that by just looking at it. Jackson, the, the teacher, he puts, they, they show him a problem and he gives them an answer. And, uh, and the teacher will say, how'd you get that? He says, I don't know, but that's the answer, isn't it? <laughs> and so he's able to just process this stuff in his head. Not me. <laughs> you know, they're just numbers to me. But they, they continue to add and they continue to multiply. Well, that's what we're doing with our life. Some people are gifted in math, some are gifted in science, and some are gifted in w working with their hands, some are gifted in, you know, whatever. Whatever your gift is, that's what your calling is. And God will use that, and he will grow those initiatives. He will grow those things. So just because this is where we're at doesn't mean this is where we're going to stay. It's part of the growth. So as we begin the new year, we're preparing. Now, the challenge is, are we preparing for God to bless us? Are we preparing for God to do new things? 
Is this a, a new year in which God is going to pour out his blessings so rich that we can't even contain them? So whenever we begin to look at preparation, it's, it takes time to prepare. It takes time to prepare. It takes notes, and, and you know, I have all kinds of notes, you know. They're, they're prepared, and I have, I have probably nine pages of sermon notes here, and probably I'll get through two or three of them. <laughs> but just in case, I have nine, you know. Now, next week, I'll use, no, I won't. I'll put them in a file and write a whole new set next time. But so all of these things are here in their prep preparation, and we have to prepare for, for what God wants to do. Now, Paul, whenever he's writing to the church at Colossae in, in chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, he says, I want you to realize that I continue to work as hard as I know how for you, and also for the Christians at, at, over at Laodicea. So Paul's telling them, I want you to know I'm working for you. All right? Now, Paul isn't there. <laughs> He's not in town. So it'd be like me saying, I'm working for you people in Harrisburg. <laughs> well, sometimes it's a politician that says, I'm in Harrisburg working for you back home. <laughs> and we hope they are. And, and that's the challenge. But Paul is telling him, I'm working for you. It's, I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm holding you up. And I'm here to answer or help you with, through any problems or difficulties you have. So he wants, he wants the church to be a united community, carrying out the work of Christ. A united community carrying out the work of Christ. So as we've studied in like Wednesday nights and so on, some of the churches, they were just all caught up in their who was better than the other and who the visions and separations. And Paul's telling the church of Colossae, I want you to be a united community. He says, not many of you have met me face to face. <laughs> some of you don't even know me. I walk by you, you wouldn't even know who I am. But the, that doesn't make any difference. Know that I'm on your side. Right alongside you, you're not in this alone. All right? I think the, the greatest, one of the great lies of the devil is you're alone. No one understands you. No one has it like you. No one has your problems. So you are all alone in this. God doesn't even hear your prayers and the people in the church or around in faith. None of them understand you and on and on and on. And, but Paul is telling the people, you're not alone in this. How many times does Jesus, and in the scriptures it's told us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua, back in the book of Joshua, says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Joshua, you know, that great man of, you know, leading the whole millions of people in there to conquer the land. What was his problem? He was afraid he couldn't do it. See, having those fears is not necessarily a bad thing. It just means we have to deal with them. Prepare, prepare for the battle. Prepare for the game. Prepa you know, <laughs> there's a lot of preparation that goes into playing a game. You know, it just seems like a bunch of people running around, but there's a lot of preparation. I always, you know, you see the quarterbacks on on television, they're going through there and they're looking at all the, 
and they get the numbers from the sideline and they put the numbers here and then they tell the other players what all the numbers are and where they're supposed to go and each number remembers means something else of preparation so they're preparing to run a play and you can tell when somebody doesn't know what the play is <laughs> they're going one way and generally quarterback throws the ball and the receiver went this way and he threw the ball down there and they say boy he was really off was it him or was it the receiver? <laughs> to those of you who watch football. Now, verse 4. Oh, excuse me, verse 2. I want you woven into a tapestry of love. <laughs> I just so happen to have a tapestry. <laughs> tapestry. I want you woven into a tapestry of love. You know, I was thinking of a little picture and you turn it over and see the little lines. But this is like, there's a whole scene here. From, from left to right, from right to left. There's a whole scene depicted in this and the idea is that it's connected. Correct? Those of you who do tapestry, right? It's all connected. God wants you to be connect, wants love to be a connection of every part and every scene of our lives. Love. Love gives us peace. Love gives us patience. Love helps us and gives to us kindness and merciful. Love gives us joy. You see, in peace. So whenever we look at our life and we see ourselves, we're connected by love. It's all woven together by love in Christ. Christ, so Jesus so loved the world that he gave, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So woven into everything that is in the gospel is love. Every story, every miracle, every teaching, the cross, the resurrection, do this in remembrance of me, is all love. It's all woven together. In God's love. So he wants us, and he wants the church, all of us to be woven into a tap tapestry of love. And this is the, I think, the hardest part of this verse and the hardest part of this section to understand. He says, I want you to be woven into a tapestry of love in touch with everything there is to know of God. <laughs> everything there is to know of God. <laughs> so we try to summarize God. You know, we summarize God. Well, what is, what is God? Well, um, I looked up the uh, Nicene Creed. We don't say that, uh, creed, but it's, a, it's nothing, nothing wrong with it. And what, is, what they tried to do was in 312, 380-some, they tried to um, summarize because people couldn't read and they were, you know, they, so they gave them something to recite. So this is a Nicene Creed. And we're trying to summarize everything we know of God. And I, this is one of the creeds that tries to do such. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, and the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven. 
By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born to the Virgin Mary and became a man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in the fulfillment of the scripture. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and his Son, he worships and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, and it says Catholic Church, and we say, and I remember when I was growing up, I read that, oh, Catholic, oh, that's why it's wrong. Catholic means universal in that case. It's not, it's not Roman Catholic Church, it's Catholic Church was universal. And the apostolic church, which is related to the apostles, so the teachings of the apostles. Um, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Now, what is that? It's a summary. It's a summation of trying to summarize all that we believe. And when Paul, and when Paul is telling the, the early church here, he's telling them, I want you to have the mind, uh, okay, I want you to be in touch with everything there is to know of God. Now that's quite a, that's quite a handful. Well, what, what do we want to know of God? Well, first of all, I was just writing some things down. First of all, he loves me. Second of all, he created me. Third, he has a plan for me. He died for me. He rose from the dead. Um, he is faithful. He is just. He knows if a sparrow falls to the ground and how much more valuable are we than a sparrow. He empowers me by his Holy Spirit. He calls me by name. He knew me in my mother's womb. He has a plan for me. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. We believe in the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father. We believe, so you see, whenever we start building upon, I want you to be I want you to be in touch with, all right? Now, I think, of, I think of whenever we're going through everyday life and I said, you know what? You just need to pause and say thank you to God. What we are doing is we're being in touch with God and everything that God is by being grateful. That, all right, thank you, God. He has a plan. He's here. He's with me. He'll never leave me. Now, I may not feel his presence, and I may not think that he's here, but that doesn't change the fact that God is with me. So whether I'm playing a game, whether I'm studying, or whether I'm sleeping, it doesn't matter. God is here. God is with me. He, he cannot leave me. And God doesn't plan for any negativity or never, he doesn't plan for disastrous things to come into our life. He has a plan for us that as with these disastrous things come, he will see us through them. So you see, we, 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 want to not, we have to be in touch with everything that God is. <laughs> wow, what a, what a concept. Now, the idea of coming and learning and you know, reading the Bible through in one year. There'll be a lot of things that will just feed that knowledge of what God is. And there'll be some things that'll be like, 
what in earth are they talking about? You know, it's like the one guy said, when you're eating a steak, what do you do with the bone? <laughs> you just set it aside. Well, what do you do with you eat the meat and leave the bone? Well, the same thing is with the scripture. There are some things that we're just not going to understand at this time, so don't waste your time gnawing on a bone. You know, put the bone aside and keep, get another steak. All right, you know, it's just how it is. Just keep going on. Have a problem, you have a question, ask somebody. <laughs> somebody who knows, all right? Now, I'm not talking about people who have an opinion. Everybody has an opinion, you know, but you're not going to people's opinion. What do you think this means? No, they don't do that. All right, so anyhow, I want you to be in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest. Confident. Are we confident in our thinking? Okay? Confident and at rest. Do we believe what we read and know of Christ? Are we confident about our life? Not arrogant. <laughs> there again, like football players, <laughs> some of them. You know, the arrogant, you know, they're... You do one thing and they think they won the Super Bowl. But the challenge is that we want to be confident. Confident enough to go after or do that which is in front of us. You see, preparing for life is being able to get out of bed in the morning, you know? Being able to get out of bed, put your shoes on, go to work, go do what the day has in front of you. Being confident that God is going to go with me. Being confident that God is going to provide for the day. Being confident that God will open doors that we never thought were there. And he will close doors that, wow, I just thought this would be easy and it doesn't work. <laughs> Being confident. Assurance. God, I thank you for this. Well, then we don't have an ending yet. Is this a good day or a bad day? Well, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been awake long enough to determine <laughs> No, it's a good day whether we bad things happen or not. It's always a good day because I am confident that God will never leave me. God will turn all things around to good. So I'm confident about God's power working in my life and in my thoughts and what I see, how that I'm going to go about my living and doing. See, I'm confident that this is going to be a good day. So I'm looking for the good. The problem is, um, sometimes I think of it in the context that um, when something negative happens, we get caught up in looking at how bad everything is. The same negative thing can happen, but we are confident that God is going to work in this, so we start looking for the good in it, and we don't get swamped, <laughs> you know, the quicksand of negativity, that we, get, we just get in there and we wallow around in the negativity and I'm being sucked under by everything that's going wrong. But confidence says, that's quicksand, get out of there. <laughs> don't go in there, back up. You know, don't go falling into the quicksand, oh my, it's, you know, the sky is falling, life is over, problems are coming, and, you know, <laughs> I'm going under for the last time. Oh, thank God. <laughs> no. 
I'm confident that God is with me. So, what truths do you believe? What truths do you believe? See, then you will have minds confident and at rest, focused, focused on Christ. I am focused on, I'm confident, not just in the world or in my abilities. I'm confident and I'm focused on Jesus Christ because he will lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. He will lead me through. He will lead me to the green pastures. He will lead me through the difficulties, the transitions. He will lead me by still waters. He will walk with me. God will lead us. He is the light unto our path. He is walking in the footsteps of Jesus. That we are going through there. Jesus didn't come here and live a, you know, party life. You know, here's God. He, he suffered and he died because he loved us so that we would have hope in our difficult times. Focused on Christ. God's greatest mystery. All <laughs> focused on Christ, God's greatest mystery God's greatest mystery is Jesus Christ. You see, the people who Paul wrote to here, there was a sect uh, or, or people who were, who were telling the Christians there's a mystery to Christ and you need to follow us because we know what it is. <laughs> we, can, we can solve all of these mysteries of God and, and Paul is telling them Jesus Christ is the mystery. And, and these people were being led away from Jesus Christ because there were these people telling them, there were mysteries that you will never understand. You need to follow us and not Paul. And people were doing that. And Paul writes to them that focused on Christ, God's greatest mystery. Jesus Christ is the greatest mystery. doesn't seem that Jesus would be a mystery. To a child, he can reveal himself. To the greatest minds, he can be hidden. <laughs> it's a mystery, meaning that we don't understand, but we trust. There are things that happen in our life we haven't got a clue why, and we never will, not in this life. But our trust is saying that we are confident that Jesus Christ, who loved us before the world began, he loved us and died for us, and he knew exactly who we were, and he knew exactly what would be going on in our life. He knew all these things, and he had a plan for us. All the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embodied in that mystery and nowhere else. All of wisdom, knowledge, all knowledge, all wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. Okay? Wisdom is the ability to apply things and to see what there's, what's going on there in the, in the situation. So the, the wisdom, all wisdom is in Christ. All knowledge is in Christ. He is the creator of all things, the sustainer with all, of all things. He is with us through all things. All right, we'll go on. And Paul says, and we've been shown the mystery. We've been shown the mystery. 
I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off to some wild goose chase after other so-called mysteries or secrets. Jesus Christ is the mystery. <laughs> I'm a long way off, true, and you may never lay eyes on me, but believe me, I'm on your side, right beside you. I am delighted to hear of the careful and orderly ways you conduct your affairs and impressed with the solid substance of your faith in Christ. The solid substance of your faith in Christ. You know, when the Bible says faith is the substance, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is a substance. We base our faith on Christ's word. The word of God establishes our faith. Faith isn't a make-believe thing we put in our head that we got to do this. We gotta, no, I believe in Jesus Christ because the Word tells me to believe in Him. Now, I want to finish with Revelation 21. Okay? Prepare. Revelation 21 says, I saw heaven and earth, a new, uh, I saw heaven and earth, new created. Gone the first heaven. Gone the first earth. Gone the sea. You know? All of this that we see is going to vanish, go away. Everything is going to go. New heavens, new earth, it's all going to go away. I saw the holy Jerusalem, new created, descending, resplendent out of heaven and ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. You see, when it's all said and done, and this whole place is gone, you and I are going to be there with God. He is our God and we are his people. We need to be aware <laughs> of the confidence he has in us because he called us by name to be his child. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone. Crying gone. Pain gone. All the first order of things are gone. All those things we get also worried up about, over. All those things we hurt and brood and can't get around. They're all gone. Look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down. Each word depend dependable and accurate. Then he said, it's happened. I'm the A to Z. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, the conclusion. From the water of life will I give freely to the thirsty. Conquerors inherit all of this. Conquerors. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We're the conquerors. You and I, we're the conquerors. I'll be God to them and they'll be sons and daughters to me. But for the rest, this is the part we don't want to be a part of. The feckless, the faithless, the degenerates, the murderers, the sex peddlers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and liars. For them, it's the lake of fire and brimstone, the second death. And so we are preparing. We are preparing our life to live not only to the new year, we're preparing to live our life for eternity. And we are God's forever and ever and someday we're going to be at that place 
where he is our, we'll see him as our father and we are his sons and daughters. We will be there for him. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no suffering. There'll be no rejection. There'll be no, none of this stuff that so preoccupies life. So let us come back to the moment and prepare to live for God every day. Confident, confident that I am his child and I can do whatever he calls me to do. Even be a preacher. <laughs> even be a teacher. Even be a student. Even be a worker. Even be retired. <laughs> I can be confident that God has called me to this place and he will prepare a way for me every moment of every day until that time in which there is a new heaven and new earth. So until that time gets here, I am prepared to live for God. Amen? We are prepared to live for God because God is prepared to give to us everything we need to live forever. <laughs> Eternal life has begun. We are forgiven. Heaven is our home. Now prepare to live for God every day. Amen? Let's stand. So, Father, we are grateful that it is by your word that we live. You are Lord of all. You are God. Man, you are God. God. You are God supreme. We thank you, Jesus, that you have become like us so that we can become like you. You came to wash away our sins so that we might be resurrected from the dead and live eternally with you. We are grateful. We want nothing to do with the second death. We want nothing to do with that separation. We want to walk in confidence knowing that we are yours and, God, that you love us, that you will never leave us. God, that we are forever secure in your presence and in your hands. Neither life nor death, angels, fallen angels, things present, things to come, nothing will ever separate us from you. We are confident of this and we prepare to live for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.